The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I have with me Robin Perry Braun, who is an MSI. Robin's a licensed therapist, a certified emotion code practitioner, we'll hear more about that, and an ordained minister. She spent more than 20 years searching for tools that bring authentic healing to the tough-to-heal afflictions. She's the author of A Believer's Guide to the Law of Attraction and 30 Days to Peace and Joy. Her passion is to educate people on the power of the subconscious in attracting our lives. She helps people release trapped emotions and reprogram limiting beliefs. Her toolbox contains spiritual and nutritional tools as well. She's passionate about helping people manage their brain chemistry, physical health, and mental emotional well-being. Clients come to her to release blocks to weight loss, success, and love, as well as for depression, anxiety, and emotional distress. And she's a keynote speaker and does customized workshops and retreats working with individuals and corporations. Welcome, Robin. Hi. So one thing I really love about doing this show is that I keep getting my own conceptions stretched every week, which I love. And uh, with you, <laughs> with you, the particular stretch um, had to do with, um, I, I mean, conceptually, I know that there is a metaphysical um, uh, aspect of Christianity, but uh-huh. you you marry those two so um, seamlessly that that um, gave me a, a a lot to think about. Uh, would would it be fair to say that you're kind of more on the metaphysical end of of exploring Christianity? Well, no, it's actually the opposite is true. I, I've been a Christian many years, and and uh, it, what I've seen in the church is not really a reflection of what I thought Jesus promised us. And so I have a real heart for people, and I thought, what's missing? Why, you know, I, I, I'm an ordained minister, I've done a lot of prayer ministry, and I just haven't seen the results that mm. I wanted to see. And so a few years back, I really felt like one of the keys to um, freedom and transformation was applying the principle for the law of attraction. And I knew across the board in the church that this was highly rejected, I was seen as very new age, and the church generally rejects things that are new age and metaphysical. Um, And yet, as I I really delved into it more, I realized that a lot of the very principles I used in prayer ministry were exactly the same as what I saw in the Law of Attraction. And I thought, well, I want to see, you know, people have peace and joy. And, and, uh, you know, I believe that people in the church 
the people who um, practice forgiveness and practice these beliefs should have, you know, more power and more joy and more victory and more transformation. So I really felt like my uh, mission here was to take the truths of the law of attraction that I feel are very powerful to bring transformation and put them in scripture and make it more palatable to those people who whose paradigm is very uh, much based on what the Bible says. So it's more like um, making um, making these tools accessible to people who are um, based in a in a um, understanding of the Bible and Christianity. Right. Absolutely. Um, like I said, I I just want to see people get free, and I felt like a lot of these tools and in, in that I saw using the law of attraction were key in so many levels, and uh, but just that the church wasn't reaching for them because they weren't the the languaging and the um, kind of the the genre of people that were using them seemed to be the type that most people in the church would be a little fearful of. Um, and so I was really hoping to bridge to be to build a bridge. Uh, really, my heart and my goal is to um, to to what I would call the epitome of all scripture, which was where Jesus said, "Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself." And so, you know, my goal is to bring understanding and unity and, and bridge those gaps where there seems to be judgment and criticism on both parts, mm. exclusiveness, elite, elitism. Um, those types of mentalities that don't really unite very well, and, and they certainly don't vibrate at a high frequency. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I think people might be more uh, familiar with what you're talking about, uh, of course, being in the um, subcategory of humans that I'm in. I'm very aware of some of those judgments and have been the sure. recipient of them um, as a as a lesbian. But um, Absolutely. People might not be as familiar with what you mean by law of attraction. Could you go into that a bit? Sure. Um, you know, it's funny. My my chapter in the law of attraction is kind of like saying, hey, um, you know, this is physics and, and this is really maybe hard to understand, but I'm going to break it down as easy as possible. So just stick with me. And uh, and ultimately, what I just say to my clients who are sitting across from me is we're all made up of energy. And all energy vibrates at a certain frequency or has a certain wavelength. Um, things that vibrate at a high wavelength or a high frequency are, um, we consider them positive. Um, things that vibrate at a low, we consider them negative. And everything has a frequency. So emotions that vibrate at a high frequency would be things like love, joy, and peace. Emotions that vibrate at a low frequency would be fear, shame, guilt. Uh, so kind of taking everything that exists in the world and quantifying it in a me- in a measurable frequency is really the goal of this book. And, and ultimately, the main principle of the law of attraction is like attracts like. So when we do our best to stay in states of joy, peace, and love, we attract good and positive things in our in our life, things that we want, things that we desire, things that make us feel good. So we get more of what we already have. And when we live in a state of fear, shame, you know, anger, doubt, guilt, then we tend to attract negative things in our life, which just create more of that negative emotion. Same is true for thoughts. When we think positive thoughts, we get good results. When we think negative thoughts, we tend to attract negative things. Um, so it's like a magnetic attraction, and that's ultimately what the law of attraction says. 
The irony I find in it, because I work with cancer a lot, and uh, cancer really unearths people's um, negative self-concepts. But mm-hmm. the the biggest one I see coming up is I am not thinking positively correctly. Um, <laughs> you know, because if I was, cancer would vanish, which, of course, this has got to be more complicated than we understand because, of course... Well, <laughs> very good. And the next thing I tell people is you are an iceberg and you are only aware of about 5% of what you think and believe and the rest is in your subconscious and it's programmed from your, your DNA, from what you inherited from your family line. It's programmed from the womb, positive and negative, positive and negative emotions, positive and negative beliefs. Children are energetic sponges. They absorb everything around them. So we are more than what we are aware that we're thinking. Um, and the work I do with clients is I, I use muscle testing. It's called the emotion code and the body code. I use muscle testing to tap into their subconscious and ask their subconscious yes and no questions, similar like a lie detector test, and find out where they have trapped emotions, where they have limiting beliefs. Uh, It's a very effective technique. Uh, I didn't create it. It's it's something that you can can Google, you can YouTube it, and and see the principle. I've integrated it with a a lot of other things that I do. Um, But it, it does that very thing is that, if you can only think 5% of your total, what's going on in your brain, and then you're only, you know, even in that 5%, you're not consciously and intentionally thinking 24 hours a day, you're still only really getting a small percentage of, of positive change. Now, a, a small percentage of positive change is still great, but it's really, you know, cancer and these diseases are really tapped into the much deeper rooted issues and some of them are very subtle and people don't realize them until they until we pull them up because they seem so true Uh, most of our beliefs are programmed during states of heightened emotion or during repetition so they just seem to be true and they've always been true and they keep being reinforced to be true but they're not universally true and that means we just made them up and we can change them the other thing that did stand out was um, uh, I've thought a lot about this sense of uh, it being all one world, us us being one. And you said right. something something about uh, if a butterfly flutters in South America, it might impact the weather here, uh, wherever here is. Um, and so, uh, are you talking then basically about doing our part? Uh, because yes. that would yes. that would that would mean you know there are some factors that we're not that are not influenceable by us perhaps. And, would that and be that fair to reference say? Is uh, what they call the science of chaos, and they're and they're making reference to weather patterns in the world, and that's why they can't predict weather patterns accurately, even with all the technology, is because the world is so interconnected, and the weather systems are so affected by every little thing that occurs all over the world. And so a snowstorm in New York City could have been caused by the change of a flight pattern of a butterfly in South America. And so, and, and, and this idea of the law of science of chaos basically does say, uh, there are some studies going on in Princeton right now, I don't have this documented, that is about the power of collective thought and collective consciousness. Mm. And, um, 
and they're coming up with some really interesting results to really prove that our brain waves are so powerful. And if you get enough of them together, you can actually affect change. Now, the church would call that prayer, but there's really not a whole lot of difference between prayer and intentional thought. They're basically the same thing. Prayer is a big category, too. Mm-hmm. Even people that Absolutely. are not—I'm uh, in an interfaith gospel choir, as it uh, right. happens. And, you know, we have a, a ton of different ways to look, to look at prayer. If you Absolutely. ask if you ask people in that group, they would all say something different. However, when we're singing together, we're unified <laughs> in one prayer. And whatever However, you're declaring at that time is very powerful. You know, song the 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 frequency of music is very powerful. There's uh, there's some healing tones out there now. You can purchase. I, I have I access them to my clients where certain music at a certain frequency can actually heal the body. There's a lot of science right now in the alternative industry about using sound frequency to bring physical healing. Um, so absolutely, you are totally right on the, on the track there with this idea of a collective consciousness, collective focus on the same thoughts, the same uh, beliefs, the same intentions, if you will. And I, I find it interesting, too, that um, that tradition, which comes out of a very, very painful uh, social ex- experience, um, you know, of oppression, um, most of the songs are highly positive. Um, You're talking about the, like, the old slaves? Music. You're talking about the, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of anti antidote. <laughs> in in a yeah. in a and, sense, uh, and they pointing realized, away. From they realized, yeah, singing brought them joy. Singing raised their frequency from the sadness and the you know the kind of despair of their life to bring them to a higher elevated position. They're very cognizant of that. And you're right; they created those songs to um, bring joy. I mean, everybody wants to be at a state of joy, no matter what the circumstances are, and, and it's possible. Absolutely, and of course, the new gospel um, still still has some things to deal with in the culture, for sure. Right, uh, right. That are difficult. Um, so, one thing I want to dive into a little deeper is um, I I do encounter lots of people who t- take positive thinking, which we're which we're discussing, um, the power mm-hmm. of positive thinking as a prohibition against painful feelings. Um, that is and I, such a great topic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, as a grief counselor, uh, that, that um, breaks my heart because things get stuffed and stored, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that doesn't actually lead to joy and peace and freedom. Uh, in my experience. So can you talk some about the difference between positive thinking, you know, as Mm -hmm. you're describing it, law of attraction, and, uh, and we'll just get started before the break, but I, but I think we can get pretty far. Um, Okay. The difference between those two things. So I think there's a lot of confusion. Sure. And I'm going to use grief as the example. Let's say somebody dies or you go through a divorce or there's a great loss. 
um, you clearly have emotions attached to that. There's no way not to. It, it evokes deep pain. So if we look at emotions as, as balls of energy, and so a painful emotion would be a ball of negative energy or it vibrates low. Now, in, in a normal process of a healthy person, they would, they would feel that emotion and they would express it in some way. They might cry, they might wail, they might sob. They might journal, they might cry on somebody's shoulder, they might, uh, you know, all the expressions you can think of of those deep pains. And in that process, they're actually taking that ball of negative energy and releasing it. And once it's released, then it's not trapped. So people who are maybe taking this idea of, oh, if I think positively, I won't have to feel that pain, that emotion is, is separate than the thought. They're not, they're not the same thing. The thoughts and emotions are connected together but they're not the same thing. And so that same ball of energy can get trapped in your physical body and, and cause harm in some way. Now, can you do both at the same time? Yes, I'm going to feel this pain. I'm going to wail. And, you know, when I lay my head down on the pillow, I'm going to think tomorrow's going to be a little better. Uh, it's not going to hurt this bad tomorrow. Um, I'm going to look for some, I'm going to smell the roses tomorrow. I, you know, I'm going to think about um, maybe that this person's in heaven and that brings me some consolation. So there's a place to do both at the same time, but absolutely uh, in, in psychology, and as you all know, the cope, we, we have terms, uh, coping mechanisms, and in this case, we would call it rationalization or intellectualization, where we don't feel the feeling. We go into our head and we go, oh, I don't have to feel that. I can, I can do something else with it. I can use my thoughts to negate the energy behind that feeling. But I'm just going to say it doesn't work. I've noticed that. Uh, <laughs> I think I was very fortunate because uh, I had, you know, I didn't necessarily call it fortunate at the time, but I had a long time to prepare for my wife's death. Right. And so I made a deal with myself that I got to... Uh, I got to feel whatever I felt, and I got to love myself through it however I could. And right. so one thing that comes to my mind in, in what you're saying is you can have a big, potentially negative emotion p passing through you and not feel negative. Uh, uh, let's come back to that when we... Okay. when we're done with the break, because I think this is key for people. Otherwise, they start becoming their own enemy. <laughs> so, li listeners, you can go to the Good Grief page at Voice America and sign up to receive notices of all my guests. The first link right under the show listings will take you where you need to go on my website. You can also find links there to all my social media. And to find Robin Perry Braun, go to integratedlifestrategies.com. Be back soon. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk 
with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Robin Perry Braun about her books, which describe how the law of attraction works and how we can use those principles for healing in our lives. And before the break, we were kind of diving down into how to differentiate between um, uh, self-rejection, you know, rejecting thoughts that are, or feelings that are harder, and um, kind of letting them flow through us and then letting them go. Uh, that, that's... Is that a a fair synopsis? It is. And and one of the things I wanted to mention in that, because I I do this trapped emotion release. And so one of the things about um, our emotions and our experience is they filter through our belief systems. So if I have a lot of trapped emotions of rejection because I've experienced a lot of rejection, and one of my undercore beliefs may be, I'm not likable, I'm not lovable, um, I can't trust people, people are mean, people are against me, those types of things. Then that's the filter through which I'm going to see everything. And so I've kind of got those, uh, those, emotion, those balls of negative emotion trapped in me. And so my experiences will operate like a tuning fork. So I'll be more likely to continue to build on those trapped emotions of rejection but if I've done some healing work and I've really worked on my beliefs about myself, my subconscious belief, 
I've released the trapped emotions of rejection. I've been able to experience uh, love and support and really uh, reprogram some of my thoughts. Then people who might even do or say things that would have been rejecting in the past, there's no place for that emotion to light because it doesn't fit within my paradigm. And so, um, you know, if, uh, and I, and, and maybe you've met some people uh, who, if you were ready to die, for example, then you would not have the same emotions about dying than if you, if you weren't, if you were, your life was cut short, if, if you were old and you, it was time to go and you're ready to go, then you would see kind of almost a welcome feeling about knowing you were going to die versus if you were younger. So the emotions are definitely connected to what our perception, our beliefs about those situations are. There's a beautiful uh, part of a a book by Stephen Levine, uh, one of my teachers, a uh, man I love a lot, uh, about someone who um, whose cancer was getting worse, and they had a prayer circle. It was very transformative, release of a lot of stuff, and then uh, her cancer accelerated after that, and. She was completely at peace with it and said, um, I'm, I'm finished with my work. She was actually a fairly, fairly young person, but um, she was not disturbed. You know, she was in line with what was happening in a way that in our culture is sometimes really hard to do because death is kind of the enemy. Absolutely. Any, any hard feeling is, is sometimes the enemy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I, I've heard the same story even with some, like, young teenagers. And I that's a beautiful example of her belief was, my mission is accomplished, I've achieved. And I do believe that within each one of us, there's a deep sense of purpose and destiny. And if you feel like you've fulfilled your destiny, you're going to have a different attitude towards leaving. Obviously, leaving people you love and those types of things can be painful, but Absolutely. I think that was a really good illustration of that idea that I was sharing. So good. I think we've hopefully illuminated that a little because I do think um, in this uh, pleasure-seeking culture that we're in, right. um, mm-hmm. hard often equals bad instead of just something we're going through. <laughs> So, um, right. Hard. <laughs> we, like, we like to say it's just, it's just hard. hard. That's <laughs> yeah. all. It's just hard. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got here because, um, my assumption is always we don't even investigate these questions if things are sort of okay. Uh, although, you know go ahead. Uh, although, of course, these questions of what meaning we're making of things, they're always quite powerful. But I notice people have a hard time uh, intentionally walking into the questions uh, when things are not too bad. Absolutely. That- and I appreciate you asking that. Um, you know, my journey, I, I did lose a mother to cancer my mother and mother-in-law both died in 97 of cancer. My father died. All three of them died within 11 months, and he died of a broken heart and uh, some, you know, other physical issues. Mostly had come from being a caretaker for my mother. So I know that grief of loss. Um, 
a lot of my journey comes from having had an eating disorder growing up, which led me into uh, counseling as a profession. And then I was married to a man who, who uh, struggled with a porn- pornography addiction and sexual addiction. Uh, we have four children together. And I walked through being the spouse of a sex addict who was not recovering. Uh, and so I... I walked through a lot of my own pain during that time of betrayal, of rejection. I felt very much God speak to me and say, uh, you can't leave, stay in the marriage, stay in the marriage. And so I felt very trapped at the same time. So Mm. I really, really learned how to process my feelings during that time, which was not something I had learned until I was about 24 because (laughs) of the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And uh, and thus this, the eating disorder in the first place. Through my own recovery, I learned to feel, and then through my marriage, um, being a spouse, I became very good at feeling my my negative, harsh feelings and um, processing them. And 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 that really is what brings what we call emotional maturity is is going through hard emotions. Um, we should be doing this with our three and four year olds when they feel something negative. We should be teaching them. What is the name of that feeling? What does it feel like? Let me walk with you to the other side of that. Let me be here for you to bring you back to a state of joy at the other side of that emotion. That's what the parent's job is. And in America, we have very much what we call a no-talk, no-feel society where we're not allowed to feel those negative feelings. So most adults are very emotionally mature, immature, and thus we have one of the highest addiction rates in the world. Um, but that journey of watching my, my husband try every technique and every ministry and every modality, and I, I was also the director of uh, spouses ministry for an uh, uh, organization called uh, LIFE, Living in Freedom Every Day uh, Ministries International, and it was for sexual addiction, very low recovery rate in sexual addiction. So... I'm a little bit of a bulldog and tenacious, and, and, and I really was healed of my eating disorder. And I said, you know, I don't believe that anything is incurable. Mm. And if, if alcoholism and drug addiction and sexual addiction have such a low rate of recovery, then we just don't have the right tools. We're missing tools. And so my life's journey has been about finding tools that produce tangible results in people's lives to, to have real lasting change and freedom. Um, and, and I really came, have come to the place where I believe the subconscious, reprogramming the subconscious is a key to, um, to that, that answer to that puzzle piece. I, I, I had a, a thought as you were talking about my, my wife who um, finally, for, for good, quit smoking uh, three or four years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, the magic pill was finding someone who said uh, a, a book that basically said um, quitting is your freedom instead of a more deprivation based right. model. So to me, that was a, a terrific example of what you're talking about, that our frame on things mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in how... Um, enlivened we are to to actually pursue them um that became very very motivating whereas just living without the cigarette that she really wanted was not at all uh so i i I think those two two ideas may connect yeah 
Yeah, and you know, one of the things I teach people is is shifting this modality of uh, so you know the wellness says okay, you've got the salad and the hamburger, and if I eat the salad, I'm going to live longer. I might feel better. Um, I may I may uh, not get sick when I'm older, um, but boy, the hamburger sure tastes better. And so what I teach about in my book in the idea of quantum physics is that everything is quantifiable and everything is a frequency. So when I'm looking at that hamburger and that salad, I literally can go, okay, if my body vibrates at a 65 and let's say joy is at a 90 and um, sickness is at a 40 or despair or shame and I'm looking at the salad and let's say it vibrates at a at a 95 and that hamburger vibrates at a 40 and I go, okay, what, what do I want? What, what does everybody really want in life? Everybody wants to be happy. They want to feel good, mm-hmm. not just physically. They, they want to be happy. Ultimately, we are wired. Our brains are wired for peace and joy. It's a medical fact. So when I go, okay, I'm going to choose the salad because that's going to move me towards a cumulative of peace and joy, a cumulative number that's up there with peace and joy. I have a whole new reason to choose that salad than just it's healthier. So it, it, it really shifts the framework of I'm not going to watch the news, not because for any other reason than it just really makes me feel some terrible emotions. It's low frequency. It's negative. It, it, it paints the world out as falling apart in a horrible place. I'm just not going to choose to believe that. So I'm not going to watch the news. Because I want to stay at peace and joy. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to eliminate some of these things that want to bring me down to shame and fear and guilt and uh, these other low-frequency states. So in the whole concept, she chose a higher-frequency way to quit smoking um, than deprivation, which is low-frequency. It's it's fear. It's 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 a negative lower frequency, uh, and it doesn't work. It's gonna hurt you if you do it, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really good story. uh, This is true. Um, Nelson Mandela, um, when he was in prison, the 20 years he was in prison before he got out and became president, uh, he was in his cell one day, and he walked around to the four walls of his cell, and he put his hands on each wall, and he said, "I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you." And in his memoirs, he writes, that's the day that I became a free man. And so it's very true what we choose to think about every day. And and when we choose our life versus let it just unfold and accept it, but we actually make a conscious, intentional um, choice about our life, we we go to a whole new level of uh, vibration. So, in other words, choose where you are while moving towards whatever is next for you? Yeah, or where you want to go or where you want to be. But there's definitely that belief towards um, this idea that everything is beneficial for me, everything works for me, everything is a lesson for my transformation. And so I'm always moving through from one good place to the next good place. Mm. versus I'm stuck and my life is awful and I want this, you know, we're always looking to outer things to make our, uh, to make ourselves happy or have joy. But if we can begin to embrace some of these ideas of shifting our inner thoughts, um, our one, our outer circumstances will change because it's a law of traction says, but two, our, 
our our thoughts change. And there's brain science out there that shows that negative thoughts create toxicity in our brain, which makes us sick. It makes us depressed. And a positive thoughts actually make the body function really well. So it, it really works on multiple levels to um, begin that reprogramming process. What do you make? I, I Another thing I was thinking as I was preparing for today, uh, this example came to my mind. My mother uh, had incredibly good financial luck her whole life, mm-hmm. and yet she was terribly, terribly fearful about money her whole life as well. So there was a contradiction in a way between what she believed and what she attracted. And I wonder what you make of that. Uh, I think this has got to apply to other people too. You know, that's for some reason, some people uh, have experiences that are actually uh, not in line with their belief systems. That she was an example of that. That's a really good example. And I was, you were asking, I was slightly panicking, going, oh my gosh, do I have an answer for that? I think. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, and I talk about this in my book, there is a um, uh, an overriding law, which we call the law of, pe- of grace and mercy. And it says sometimes we it just doesn't work the, that simply, that we don't just get what we believe, that we get things we don't deserve, and um, we get good fortune. And so, you know, I, again, these are some, some biblical principles, but they're principles of what we call um, generational blessings. And it says that, you know, the generation, the, the blessings of the righteous go to a thousand generations. And I also just believe somewhat in destiny. And I, I believe somewhere, even though your mom walked in fear, somewhere in her DNA, she was wired to prosper. She just was. Mm-hmm. But I want to say that she didn't, she may have not, she hasn't been fearful of losing the money, but she believed she could make the money. So her fear was in losing it, but I'm, my guess is that there was probably some area of her life that didn't work well for her, some area where that fear manifested something negative, attracted something negative. It just wasn't necessarily in the area of money. Well, I, as I was talking, I was thinking, too, um, that she was, um, we, she was financially stable her whole life. She had enough to live her whole life to the age of 84 and have left over when she started off very poor. But the amount of joy she derived from that was diminished uh-huh. <laughs> because yes, she also had a, a lot of fear. She could have, she could have, uh, and it was hard for her to take in at the end of her life that she didn't need to be careful anymore, you know, so... Uh, well, the other thing is, you know this as a therapist, I'm pretty sure her fear was not really about the money. That was just the focus of her fear. But the cause of the fear probably had little to do with actual money. It probably might have been related to some trauma from her days in poverty. Mm-hmm. So it, it had negative feelings that triggered the fear. She didn't want to feel the way she felt when she was poor. Um, but the fear itself had very little to do with with finances actual money just time for our second yeah. break robin and it's a chance for you listeners to go find us both i'm at weatheringgrief.com with two g's and on the good grief host page at voice america again you can just click to my website right there and sign up for my mailing list and to find robin perry braun go to integratedlifestrategies.com back after the break <laughs> 
Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Robin Perry Braun, author of A Believer's Guide to the Law of Attraction. And I want to start this final section, Robin, just giving people a little taste of your writing voice, because writing voice and speaking voice are aligned, but also have a different tone, yeah? So could you share something from your book? Sure. Uh, Okay, I'm going to read the beginning of Chapter 7. The title of the chapter is, Are You a Son or a Slave? In the movie The Little Princess, Sarah's dad, a brave officer, was thought to be killed in action, leaving her without money to pay the tuition at her boarding school. The cruel schoolmaster turned her into a servant to allow her to have a roof over her head. But in Sarah's heart, she always knew she was a princess and never stopped believing. Later, it was found her father had amnesia, but was alive, and they were reunited. Quantum physics says that the universe is neutral, and that our lives are a creation of what we think. In the study of waves, it was discovered that when human attention was given to waves, they collapsed into particles. From this, quantum physicists and Einstein draw the conclusion that everything in our universe in our physical world, is a creation of ours or God's consciousness of it. Whatever a man has thought of or dreamt has eventually manifested. We can see the creation of the world as a thought of God, his consciousness, that was then created by speaking it into existence. 
God's creative power was then infused into man, Adam, upon creation. This is a lot to consider and accept, and it may be that, like eating an elephant, you have to consume it in small bites, or like Mrs. Trunchbull's chocolate cake. It's a reference to Matilda for those. (laughs) But again, if we accept God's premise that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7, then the idea that we created our own reality makes sense when we consider that thinking in our heart determines our faith and the scriptures we have discussed about asking, seeking, and knocking reflect our faith. Oh, there was a period in there. Then we can conclude that in every area of our life, we choose to believe one of two options. We believe either that the universe is for us or that the universe is against us. In various areas of our lives, we may believe differently. For example, I am in great health, take no medications, and am physically fit and more athletically inclined than most women my age. In this area, it is easy for me to believe that the universe is for me. But my past is riddled with financial struggles that seem to contradict what I felt was my potential for success. So that was uh, my first thing. And it was a little bit along the lines of what you were sharing with your mother. Is, yeah, that, do we that believe? Kind of, yeah, kind of that contradiction. Yeah, of, and mm-hmm. just the idea that uh, where do you believe? Do you believe you were put here? Uh, and, and this is very true in the church as well, is that there's sometimes a slave mentality that we're here to suffer and suffer well versus that we are children of the king and co-heirs with Christ and that, you know, we're here to rule, rule and reign in a good way with responsibility. Very different mindset on how you, how you live your life. And um, so this is true across the board. Do you believe you're free? and you are loved, and you are royalty, and all the high-frequency thoughts that go with that, or do you believe you're, you know, you're not free, you don't get to choose, you are, uh, live at a low frequency, you're always being told what to do, and you're controlled by your world. And those two kind of paradigms are going to help determine whether you believe the universe is for you or against you. You know, you were asking me on the break uh, how my parents um, responded to having a lesbian daughter. I came out when I was 17, so um, oh, wow. I'm, I'm 62 now. So <laughs> I, I definitely have the, the history uh, in, my, in my own life. And um, it, it's interesting in this regard because... Uh, they responded differently, first of all. Um, my dad, he, I think he was going for being as much like Jesus on the planet as possible. And uh-huh. so he, he actually sort of came out for me. Uh, he oh, asked wow. me. He asked me. Uh, I was trying yeah. to tell him, and it wasn't going very well. I, could, I couldn't get it out, and he, he asked me. Wow. And uh, I know he went through a lot of struggle inside, but he was ruled in how he responded to me by his great commitment to loving me. Wow. My, my mother, uh, it just defied every belief she had about what she wanted for my life. She cried for two weeks solid. Uh, she yeah. bemoaned. She, you know, but 
the fact is that they changed their belief system about that. That's why I'm going into it, because they really, really, really changed their belief system to the point where they became the people that anyone who found out they had a gay kid, they got sent to my parents. Yeah, and they spoke... At, uh, they were American Baptists. They actually came out at a at a national gathering, and they worked for the church. This took a lot of courage. Wow. Um, they did. came out about me and um, used it as a teachable moment with people. That's great. Um, That's awesome. You know, they, they did a lot of work in the church um, to try to uh, promote understanding and. Not about a year or two before my mom died, she said, you know, I really feel most comfortable in the community of LGBT people and their parents, which was very shocking Mm -hmm. to me and very beautiful. She said, those people get me. Those people get me. So that's a beautiful example of the ways that we can confront our beliefs. And I mean, that was a radical, radical change for both of them. To not blame wow. themselves, yeah. to have a kid who wasn't right. what they expected, and and to really right. uh, love and accept. So it's wow, a beautiful uh, story. Yeah, obviously very beautiful to me. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. personally, yeah. Um, but also does connect with what we're talking about, doesn't it? That um, our yes. frame of reference can be examined, and we can move. We can change what we believe about what's happening uh, in positive right. ways, you know, that that informed their lives in very positive ways from then on. That's awesome. Very good. Not um, not that common, I, I well know, and often takes no, a much, yeah. much longer time than it took them. Absolutely. Well, and this was a whole different era. You're talking a long time ago when it was... Um, much less acceptable and uh, even theologically there weren't, there weren't gay churches back then. They're just, you know, I'm sure they were huge pioneers in that, um, in that area. Yeah. And they, uh, there wasn't as much work. There's quite a bit of biblical work now about Uh what's wrong with judging, uh, someone for, for that, but there wasn't then. So they were right. really, and they really had to feel their way through it. And um, they had one gay friend, but that didn't help me at all. Um, because before I ever came out, I was kind of playing around with it a little bit. And my mom said, you don't uh-huh. want to le- be like Roddy, do you? <laughs> he wasn't a very nice right. guy. <laughs> so, right. He wasn't, I, he, he wasn't a good example of what you were going to be. So, no. And I think, that saying? He, I think that he was very much, um, I think the brittleness in him did have a lot to do with being afraid of not being accepted. Mm -hmm, When I I thought about it, you know, uh, later on. So that's a tangent, but I feel it's a great example of how much liberation came for them in questioning the beliefs that they'd had their whole lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really ultimately Jesus, came back to always love, love and not judgment. And that really is a big principle of uh, Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged. And that is one of the laws called the law of sowing and reaping or the law of judgment. When we judge, it does come back to us in some way. And then 
Matthew 7, 2 says, get, get the log out of your own eye, stop looking at your brother's speck. Mm. And really that's transformative. If we are focused on our own transformation and seeking, you know, in, in the Christian model to become more like Jesus, we don't have time to pick out other people's flaws and, and judge them. So I want to read this. Uh, this is my final chapter of my book. And ultimately what my, what my goal for writing this book was. And the title of the chapter is chapter nine, you can change the world. Have you ever been in a large crowd and it made you realize how small and insignificant you really were? I have often wondered what difference I can truly make in the world. Yes, I realize I'm important to my children and my friends. I realize that in my ministry experience and profession, if I look back, God has used me to impact people's lives in a positive way, and all of that felt really good. However, that good feeling faded quickly as I realized that past successes never satisfy for long in this linear timeline. A few years ago, there was a TV series called Heroes. One of the main characters was named Claire and played by the actress Hayden Panettiere. She was a teenager who couldn't die, and she would self-heal. That is, unless her head was cut off or her brain was punctured. In the fall of 2007, the catchphrase advertising for the show was, Save the Cheerleaders, Save the World. The phrase made reference to the storyline that somehow Claire would save the world, and another character named Hiro, who's Oriental, who could time travel, had received a personal message given to him, and his mission was to find and save the cheerleader. As I was preparing this book, I thought about that catchphrase, what is a cheerleader? A cheerleader is someone who doesn't look at the reality of a situation, i.e. the football game, and whose job it is to speak possibility with great enthusiasm. He or she is, in fact, a Pollyanna whose job is to stay positive and never give up hope. Cheerleaders speak blessings and victory. They do not judge the character or performance of their team. They only encourage and speak possibilities. I believe that this phrase is a prophetic call to the body of Christ. Again, my book was written to the church. Each one of us has an inner cheerleader somewhere inside. If you have concluded that the concept of the law of attraction is true, then what might be some implications if we truly practiced it? What if we deliberated to take our thoughts captive, which is 2 Corinthians 10.5, and practice Philippians 4.8, which tells us to think only on good things? Imagine if we stopped several times a day and truly repented for judging someone, including politicians, preachers, our parents, or our kids. What if then we turned around and blessed them? Can you imagine embracing a paradigm of seeking hard after getting out our own root issues, emotions, irrational belief systems, and getting them exposed and transformed? What if your attitude towards everyday life was that everything that happened was purposeful in your transformation process? Imagine spending your time visualizing a a world full of God's love, peace, and power like a cheerleader instead of focusing on all the evils in the world. What if the law of attraction were true? If we successfully did this even 51% of the time, I believe the following would result. And then I give a list of what I think. I think I think we're going to have to stop there, but I think that's a great okay. place to stop. We're running out of time. Thanks so much for being with me today, Robin. 
And you, Thank you, can, you. really enjoyed it, Cheryl. Me too. Uh, you can find Robin Perry Braun at integratedlifestrategies.com. Next week, I'll welcome Barbara Carnes, the author of Gone From My Sight, considered the primary source for families on the sign of approaching death. Uh, in hospice, we call that the little blue book. She learned the necessity of such a guide while working with hospice patients. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.